Hey, what's going on there, podcast community? Matthew Johnson, back at it again with another episode of Dementia in Black and White. And this one's my toughest episode as I'm going to give the final update for my mom. So as you can probably infer from my tone and the title of this week's podcast, I'll be doing some reflection really on the life of the person that I've been caring for these final experiences and uh, I don't know I'm going to maybe even ramble here just bear with me uh, as I share with you a step along this process of caring for someone with dementia, with Alzheimer's. There are good days and bad days, ups and downs, and unfortunately, Alzheimer's has a 100% track record when it comes to this. So, Unfortunately, it's a place that if you are caring for a loved one, you either know what I'm going through now or you will know what I'm going through now at some point. And I also have the unique perspective of having had to bury my mother the day after Mother's Day. So I talked with the gentleman who was caring for his mother and last year around Mother's Day his mother passed and he talks about how tough Mother's Day is for him. And so I don't know. I I never really celebrate holidays like that. So I don't know what that will be like for me going forward. But I'm imagining it will be tough. I know for sure having emails from restaurants and different places trying to sell you things getting those emails that was a little tough just because she had just passed at the end of April and you get these emails and they're of course you know junk mail and 
prevail or thinking anything about what's going on in your life. But the subject, you know, thinking of mom, what are you doing for mom this year? This type of thing just takes on a a different meaning. So uh, just realizing I've gone into this and not talked about what happened. So a couple of podcasts ago, and by the way, these podcasts are generally recorded ahead of time. So um, we're in a, a little bit of a lag here, but a few podcasts ago, I talked about the myths of hospice. And at that time, I was researching hospice care because I thought we were getting close. Mom had stopped eating. She wasn't drinking as much, though she would have bursts of energy. And even the week before she transitioned, she was on this little exercise bike that my brother bought for her. The It's like a, not a bike, but it's a pedaling contraption that just sits on the floor and you just sit in your chair and you can pedal along for a little exercise to keep things moving. And she uh, is up. He sent a video of her up in the chair and just pedaling on that uh, little apparatus. And the day before she transitioned, we went to visit her. My youngest daughter is uh, in the medical field, so she did a, essentially a tele- telehealth type of visit with her, had us doing some vitals and all of that, kind of just to see where she was. And even though she was out of it for the most part in terms of talking and all of that, when the music played that she liked, she still tapped her hand on her thigh to the music. And as my daughter was calling out to her from FaceTime, she recognized her voice, that familiar voice of hers, saying, Grandma, Grandma, you could see her light up in response to that. So even up until the end, it seems she was still having flashes of cognition, recognition. But then that next day, she didn't wake up. She was non-responsive. And the paramedics came and attempted some efforts and transported her to the hospital. Maybe 10 minutes of being at the hospital. She was pronounced there at the hospital. And I got to say, it was, is, and, you know, kind of still remains Bittersweet in that I am 
happy that she is no longer dealing with this condition. And of course, sad that she's gone and I miss her. So I don't know how the grieving process is different when it is this type of situation, but the things that I am pleased with is that she wasn't in any pain. My youngest daughter, when she was on that FaceTime call, asked her if she was in any pain. And she kind of shook her head, no. And she had just been resting a lot prior to this, which was the uh, sign for me anyway, that we were getting close. And so even though we never got to have hospice come around, I don't think she needed any morphine or heavy medication or those types of things to help her relax or to deal with pain and all of that because she didn't have any of that, thank goodness. But the thing that I miss, I think, about not getting that hospice online is I believe they have something that helps with the grieving process, if I'm not mistaken. Perhaps I'll have somebody on to talk about that at some point. Because that part is I'm kind of just flying by the seat of my pants as far as that goes. How long does a person grieve? You grieve differently, of course. I have siblings. She has siblings. Everybody's going through it. And how do we support each other when we're all dealing with the grief ourselves? I can tell you that one of the things, and this is the first time I've lost anybody that's close to me, by the way. So it's kind of a first experience uh, for me and particularly caring for somebody on a daily basis like this, for sure. It's uh, a first time, maybe hopefully the only time. But in terms of just my own personal opinion about it, as I was getting phone calls from people, family and friends who care. Um, one of the things that I think I would appreciate most is when reaching out, simply asking, is there anything that you need? Is there anything that I can do to help you in this time of grief? Because some people, well-intentioned, though they were, would talk to me about some grief maybe that they had dealt with. And I kind of understand that you want to commiserate with somebody, but right here a day after for me, everything is raw and I don't want to have the burden of also 
trying to console you. That's kind of my feeling about that. And then I'm left with wondering, what is my purpose now? I really did kind of pour a lot of my energy into taking care of my mother. I physically moved her and moved here and bought this house and did all that just really for her. And it reminded me of the empty nest after the kids were gone and off to college and they left for college and never came back. And so for them, really, I bought a house, a big house in a nice school district and all of that to kind of cater to them and my working, my investing, my time and energy was spent helping them with homework, going to PTA meetings, serving as a PTA officer, walking them to school, all of that. It was just kind of pouring all of this energy into them for 18 plus years. And then all of a sudden they're gone and they didn't just leave forever, by the way, because of course, you know, that one of them came back to help me. But it's the similar, it's a similar feeling of, well, I have a lot of time on my hands. Now, caregiving is very time consuming, mentally and physically. So that's part of that grieving process, I think, that probably could have been helped by a professional at hospice or something. So I'll be doing some research around that going forward here trying to figure that out and maybe coming back and doing a podcast about it because that's the other question that I have do you continue in support groups when you are no longer caring for a person with dementia I am by the way I have been went to one yesterday and I don't know I don't know if it's like you're taking up a space for somebody else who is currently taking care of someone and you should step aside so that other people can have that space. Or is it now I'm an OG in the game and so I can help a freshman who's getting started and caring for their loved one, having experienced the whole journey, you know, last 20 years, really, I've been hoping to take care of my mother, but certainly these last 10 or so with the decline um, have been more intense in the last two with her living in the house, even more intense. But so I know something and could I be of service to someone else? I, I don't know. I mean, they're support group leaders, of course, that are really that part, that person in the group is usually not the group members that are providing that type of support. So I don't know. Anyway, that's the type of thing I'm going to try to figure out here in these next few weeks. But I probably will take a break from the podcast sort of get myself together and get some administrative affairs in order regarding my mother. But if you believe that there are some topics that you'd like to hear talked about in this space. I'm going to ask you to 
send an email to dballer, D-I-B-A-W-L-E-R, and that's just dementia in black and white, dball, L-E-R, at gmail.com. And tell me if there are topics that you think would be beneficial for you to hear in this space. And maybe I'll take that as my guide going forward, as I will no longer personally be on the journey to share information about my journey. But if this is providing a service and there's benefit that someone can get from it. That may be the motivation for me to continue to to do the podcast. And so all in all, there have been good days and there have been bad days. There's a gospel song that Mother Williams would sing. And I know some of the verse, all of my good days or what is it outweigh my bad days or sometimes my bad days outweigh my good days but I won't complain y'all probably know the, the hymn but that is where I am good days and bad days and for me anyway I feel like my good days outweigh my bad days so I press f- forward But the toughest times for me in this, there were two. The one in the hospital, of course, doctor comes in, gives the news, says we'll be a a few moments here. Have to have a coroner sign off that this was no funny business, so we don't need to do anything else with the body. And then they let you come back and spend some time with the body. My brother had called a priest to the room to perform last rites. And so we were there in the consultation room waiting to go back into the room where mom was. And my daughter, who had come here to care for her for over a year, said absolutely not. She did not want to go back. And I probably should have taken her cue Because that was tough for me. Kissing mom on the forehead, this warm, bubbly woman who brought so much joy to my life. Cold and lifeless there. And just lost it. And then the other time that I lost it was at the service And I'm going to share that with you today. It was when my daughter, who had been caring for her, eulogized her grandmother. I'm going to play that and close us out today. It's about four minutes, five minutes, maybe. And then I'm going to do something Karen Hunter says you should never do on radio. Silence. I have a moment of silence after that, not do my normal closeout, just a moment of silence to think about those who we've lost to dementia and Alzheimer's. 
And also for those of you who are caring for someone to think about ways in which you can document your journey, particularly those good days, the fun times. And if there aren't that many fun times, perhaps use this moment of silence to think about ways in which you can create those fun times, play some music, go over some pictures, tell a joke, watch a YouTube video with something that your loved one enjoys. Record those moments. You'll appreciate those one day. So I'm going to show or play this um, eulogy of my daughter then close out with a moment of silence. Good morning, family. Um, Bear with me. I want to start off by extending my gratitude for everyone that showed up today from near and far to celebrate the life of our mother, sister, aunt, grandmother, friend, and loved one, Virgie Lee Johnson. Everyone here today is a testament of just how much she valued her family. I was blessed to have Virgie as my grandmother when we met 29 years ago. From humble beginnings, she worked her way through high school and gave over 20 years to the United States Postal Service while raising three young, rambunctious boys. She was baptized and confirmed in the Catholic faith and prayed the rosary twice a day, every day once at noon and once at 6 p.m. She was a no-mess, no-nonsense type of woman. A few characteristics that describe her were loving, strong, intelligent, resilient, dedicated, street smart, and threatening on occasion, just to name a few. Growing strong up, woman. <laughs> growing up, she always had us prim and proper, never in church without a veil on her head, nor a dress above our knees. She'd always surprise us with a six-inch cold cut from Subway and a chocolate chip cookie when she was watching us after school. She had a clean bill of health. The doctors were always surprised that her visits were perfect without a wrinkle in sight. Once the dementia began progressing, I moved out to West Virginia to help my dad take care of my grandma at the beginning of 2021. We had a daily routine, and I'd like to share that with you today. She would wake up before everyone else most mornings, make her bed, and wait for her son to come pick her up, of course unaware that we were all in the house with her. Once I woke up, I would make her breakfast, a smoothie with toast, peanut butter, and sliced banana. My dad would later come up and make his famous fried potatoes with scrambled eggs that she would quickly devour. We would then watch reruns of Judge Mathis before she took a light nap. Occasionally, she would join in with me for my YouTube workout videos in the living room. I would prepare lunch and then turn on, turn on Motown's greatest hits. She would listen and dance to the music until the TV shut off, and that was for four hours straight with no exaggeration. <laughs> By this time, she had had her midday snack and was ready for dinner. Her favorite dishes were anything involving meat, fried chicken, meatloaf, ribs, an ice-cold Pepsi, or a glass of Mogan Davis. I even made her neck bones one time, as she used to for us when we were younger, and she approved. Her old-school meat and potatoes diet was no match to my dad's newly vegan journey. He would sneak veggies into her smoothies and trick her into eating impossible burgers, which she thought to be all the same. 
Before bed, she would spend time looking and talking to photos of family that she would carry around in her purse or tell me stories of growing up in Kenlock. After dessert, we would spend some time watching the Cosby Show or the Jeffersons right before bed. This would become our daily routine for the next year. The next morning, she would wake up remembering nothing from the day before. She would wake up, make her bed, and wait for her son to come get her as if it was her first night in the house. Yes. She would be grateful for every meal we prepared and would jump up to the sound of the temptations every day as if she hadn't heard it since she was younger. This was one of the joys of dementia, seeing her experience each day like it was a new one. Grandma, what I wouldn't give to live that day, <laughs> just once more with you. Mm -hmm. So please for her, let's take a moment to shift our thoughts from how much we'll miss her to one of your many fond memories of her cracking jokes, cutting a rug on the dance floor, or just being there in time of need. Grandma, today we honor you. Mm. Thank you. And welcome Praise to God. Service. That was very, very, 